0: Thank you for listening to the collective church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us. That means if you've never been to church, if you walked away from church or have struggled to find a church home, we were started for you. For more information about collective and how to join us on a Sunday morning, please head to www.mycollective.church. So, uh, I love this church and I know I am biased, but I do. And I, while I don't always take time to share how awesome I think this church is, I wanted to share with you all a note that we recently got from the religious coalition in Frederick. And so this is the note they sent us this week. that said, greetings and blessings to you. Just another thank you to Collective Church for their generous welcome home kits. We delivered two kits this morning and the families were very appreciative. Thank you and your church for touching two families this week in our community as they work to get back home. Regards and peace, Neil Donnelly. And so when we do the, the MC spot, and, and like Rachel said today, when we talk about first-time guest cards and we fill out that connection card, if you've ever wondered if it makes a difference when you fill that card, it, it has. It might not always seem like we're donating huge sums of money, but every guest matters. They matter to us at Collective, and they matter in our community. And so this week, two families got a welcome home kit as they got keys to their new home. And if you've ever moved before, you know how stressful that can be. You know one of the most annoying parts of moving is once you get settled is realizing you don't have toilet paper, you don't have trash bags, or you don't have cleaning supplies. And so you can't fully get settled in until you go out and purchase those things. And so imagine transitioning out of homelessness into your new home and receiving this gift from a group of strangers. It matters. So thank you. Thank you for filling out the cards. Thank you for inviting your friends and family to experience the grace and truth of Jesus. And thank you for helping us make an impact on this community. And one last thing before we start today, the organizations that we partner with are doing incredible work in our city. The Religious Coalition, the Mental Health Association, the Frederick Rescue Mission, West Frederick Middle School, and a ton more. You can actually go to our website and you can see all the lists of all the organizations that we've partnered with in the past year. But One thing I'd love for you all to do this week is to go on Facebook and Google and rate these organizations. Give them a five out of five, like them, follow them, give them a good review. Because that they need to know that there's a church full of people that love them and care for them and appreciate everything they do in our city. Because ultimately we couldn't do it all and they do it much better than we can. And to be honest, it just feels good when you're an organization and a bunch of people give you positive reviews and positive feedback. And so nobody asked me to do this. This wasn't like the Religious Coalition, like snuck that in, PS, please rate our organization. Uh, This is just a way that we can continue to love these organizations, and to be honest, that you can continue to learn what they're doing in this county, and what they're doing in our city, and how you can help out even beyond that. And so I would encourage you to take a few moments. If you want to do it right now, it's fine. Take out your phones, like them, follow them, uh, and show them a little bit of love. So today we're closing out our series called Storyteller. And so over the last few weeks, we've spent time reading stories that Jesus shared in order to teach spiritual lessons. And while we spent six weeks on this series, I want you all to know that we've barely scratched the surface when it comes to the parables that Jesus taught. There are over 40 different parables in the Bible that teach about God's character, the kingdom of heaven, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and so much more. And so spending time in this series made you want more, made you want to learn more, made you want to read more. Come find me after church, I'll get your email address and we'll send you a list of all the parables so you can check them out because we only got to see such a small glimpse of that and I didn't want to bore you guys with a 40 week series. You guys will like leave, then come back and leave and come back and be like, are we still in this thing? And so, but there's so much more, and there's so much more to learn. And so, if you're interested in that, let me know. And today we're closing out our series. We're actually gonna read two parables that both share the same spiritual truth. And it's actually only three verses total. And so here's the context for what we're reading today. When Jesus' ministry was in full swing, he was incredibly polarizing, much like he still is today. There were people who saw him as hope in a broken world. There were people who saw him as a lunatic and a sideshow. And there were people who saw him as a threat to their understanding of religion and God. And so no matter who you were, you had an opinion about Jesus. And because of this, a huge crowd followed him and watched everything that he did. A huge crowd went with him wherever he went just to see, what is he going to do this time? Can I believe this person? Is he a liar? Is he crazy? Is he making all these things up? And so that's exactly what's happening when Jesus shared the parables that we're reading today. So immediately leading up to Jesus' teaching, he had just finished performing many miracles, including healing people and driving out demons and a possessed man who is blind and mute. And because of that, the crowd is growing. The more Jesus did in his community, the more he healed, the more he experienced people, the larger the following became. But that also meant the more intense that group became. And so that's what's happening as we pick up today in Matthew 13. And this is what Matthew 13, starting in verse 1, says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. And so the crowd is so big that in order for Jesus to communicate with them and talk to them and even to get a little bit of space because he's probably a little bit of an introvert and extrovert. If he's an introvert, he's like, get me on the boat and bring me to the other side and then maybe he'll hear what I have to say. But ultimately, he jumps in the boat and, and he moves off to the shore a little bit But one thing that Jesus understands is that he has this captive audience, even though not everybody believed he was the son of God. So Jesus has this audience and he understands some people do believe that he is the savior. He understands that there are people in the crowd that have doubts and are skeptical. And he understands that there are people in the crowd that just hate him. And so he uses this as an opportunity to teach. And what he does is he tells parables. And what he does is he tries to show these people who he really is, to show these people who God is, about God's love for them and God's desire for them. Essentially what Jesus does, he sets the record straight and he does this by telling multiple stories. So in Matthew 13, he tells a story, a parable about a sower. He tells a parable about weeds. He tells a parable about a mustard seed and yeast and all of them are in Matthew 13, so if you wanna check them out later. But then he shares these two parables and this is how he starts in Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Now, just like the parable of the workers that we talked about a few weeks ago, this parable starts with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. In the Bible, we see the phrase kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, and it's important to know that they're synonyms. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, he is sharing multiple things about that. He's sharing about what eternity with God in heaven looks like, He's sharing about his desire for what the whole world looks like. He's also sharing about what it looks like to be a follower of his. And so the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. So Jesus shares this story about a man walking through a field and he stumbles upon treasure. A treasure that's more valuable than anything that he owns. He wasn't searching for it. He just kind of stumbles across it. So he head home and sells everything that he has so he can purchase that field and claim the treasure. And so Jesus is saying is that is the value of the kingdom of heaven. That is what a relationship with Jesus is worth. That is what forgiveness is worth. But Jesus, just in case the people didn't fully understand the story, he actually tells another one. He says again, the kingdom of Heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's a similar story, but this time the guy doesn't actually stumble across it. He's searching for it. And when he finally founds it, he knows it's worth everything that he has, so he goes home, sells everything that he can to purchase this pearl. Now this parable isn't about selling all your possessions. Jesus isn't saying that you have to be poor in order to follow him. Jesus isn't saying that you have to purchase a place in the kingdom of heaven or that you have to purchase his grace. But what Jesus is saying is that a relationship with him and eternity with God is the most valuable thing that you can find. That if you could purchase it, it would be worth selling everything that you have. And so whether you accidentally stumbled across it the way that my family did I told this story a few weeks ago, while we weren't searching for Jesus, we didn't feel like anything was missing from our lives, we didn't feel like something was wrong with our lives, but because there was a church in our community that loved my family, we bumped into Jesus. And During that time, we saw a small glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven looked like as strangers, showed my family love and value and grace, and as soon as we saw how valuable a relationship with Jesus was, we devoted our lives to following him. But maybe you didn't stumble across it, maybe you're here and you're searching for it, You experienced pain or brokenness and a friend or family member in your life told you maybe you should check out church maybe you should give Jesus a shot or you just moved here and you're looking for a safe place to learn about God and faith or you walked away from church years ago but you remembered a few moments of peace and hope that you experienced when you were a child so you went looking for that again this parable teaches us that as soon as you find it it's worth everything it's worth whatever you have to give up to buy the field or buy the pearl One scholar puts it this way, we must always abandon anything that would stand in the way of receiving this gift, because when you find it, it's worth the cost. Growing up, my favorite type of music was classic rock, and this was largely influenced by my dad because that was the music he loved. Also, I know my dad is cringing right now because when I was a kid, it wasn't really classic rock, it was just rock, but now it'd be classic rock. The first CDs I got at Christmas were Aerosmith's greatest hits and Van Halen's debut album, Van Halen. And I put those in my boom box and I listened to them nonstop for weeks. My favorite band of all time is still Queen. I think Queen is the greatest band of all time. Fight me about it, I dare you. I know that's polarizing, you're wrong. Queen is the greatest band of all time. But around the time I got into middle school and early high school, my music preference started to change a bit as a new subgenre called New Metal started to gain popularity. And so New Metal was a mixed genre of rock and kind of hip hop. It included bands like Linkin Park, P.O.D., Papa Roach, System of a Down, and I loved it. It was aggressive and loud. My mom hated it, she called it angry music. Um, But that's probably why I liked it. But one of the bands I listened to the most as a kid was a band called Korn. Korn is a new metal slash alternative band that was founded in 1993 after a band called LAPD broke up due to their lead singer's drug addiction. After finding a new singer and changing the name, Korn had an incredible run in the 90s and early 2000s. They're actually a top 150 band all time when it comes to record sales. They've outsold popular bands and musicians such as Coldplay, The Offspring, Justin Bieber, which he's not good, Kanye, (laughs) Kanye, and Beyonce, Bay. So... They've also outsold rock and roll Hall of Fame inductees, The Temptations, Paul Simon, and Black Sabbath. Korn, they're, they're a virtual lock for the Hall of Fame. But after 12 years with multiple platinum records and world tours, the band went through a shakeup. In 2005, one of the founding members of Korn quit the band. A guy named Brian, whose nickname is Head Welch, decided that he no longer wanted to live the rock star life, but instead he wanted to pursue Jesus. After a few years, uh, a few years after he left Corn, Brian actually shared his story with an organization called I Am Second. And in most cases, I would simply share his story, but it wouldn't actually do it justice. So we're gonna watch it here, check it out.
1: So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm gonna accept Christ in front of everybody right now. Then I'm gonna go home and snort drugs until I don't wanna do them anymore. And that was my way of thinking. So I received Christ. At the church, I went home, neglected my daughter and put her in front of the TV. I remember I grabbed a $100 bill. I always used a $100 bill for some reason, pride or something. I chopped up my crystal meth, got it all smooth and powdery, and I snorted a big old line. And I held the bill and I looked up and I said, Jesus, if you're real like that pastor said, then you got to take these drugs from me. Come into my life, come into my heart. And I just got quiet. I said, search me right now, search my heart. And I stayed silent. And I said, you know I want to quit. You know I want to be a good dad for this kid. She lost her mother to drugs and she's gonna lose me if I don't quit. Amen. There's a high when you go on stage and you see all these people like just Loving your music and loving you and stuff. And there's these girls and all these people going (sighs) worshiping me. When you see all those people just going nuts for you, it's like, you know, it it puffs you up inside. You're like, you know, I'm important. That's where drugs can creep in and, you know, cocaine or whatever, methamphetamines crept in. it all came from after drinking for me and, and my friends, and uh, it seems like fun in the beginning. It's alive because it, it it turns around on you. It starts to wear on your personality. starts to wear on your relationships, and everything is affected by it negatively. Everything. There was a, a few times where life seemed good my daughter Janaya, she came into the world and i was like it was just such a, a euphoric feeling i thought my life could just feel like that forever you know it was like a it was spiritual just i didn't know what was happening i just felt so much love just fill my emotions and i thought i was going to be happy but uh I just couldn't, I couldn't stay sober. I didn't know how. I hit rock bottom. I had swore that I would never do methamphetamines again because I saw what it did to my child's mother. It it just took her feelings away and made her leave her kid. I just wanted her dead. I wanted to kill her. I thought she was a scum of the earth and, uh, you know how could she do drugs like that and let it let the drugs win her like that so i never was going to do meth again i ended up with a everyday crippling addiction to methamphetamine and everything that i said about my ex-wife came true for me i sunk to the lowest gutter i could ever think of. Um, i would spend time with my kid and i'd still be on it cuz i needed it to function i'd get up in the morning peanut butter and jelly sandwiches snort meth and then take her to school or whatever. It was just, I was a junkie. I started losing my mind. This guy would show up at my house with like a gun and stuff. And then I ran out in Europe, had my drug dealer. It's just crazy. Send me drugs through through the mail. And I'd be tweaked out in my hotel room watching this package come from the US. It was just nuts. My life just was like spinning out of control. Janea had come out on, a, on one of the tours in the US. I just remember meet. her skipping around the house She's singing one of our corn songs called Adidas. All day I dream about sex. And I'm like going, oh, what am I doing? I'm a junkie. My daughter's singing all day I dream about sex. And uh, I'm going to die. Father? My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f- I felt the scripture like jump out at me. I've never done this before, you know, so I don't really know how to do this, but I felt like this would mean something to you. It's Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I remember all tweaked out. I looked up in the dictionary, wary. I looked up burdened, and I just I pulled the scripture apart, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm wary and burdened, and I need rest for my soul. And uh, I didn't know if it was real, but you know, they invited me to church a couple couple weeks later, and I received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, got it all smooth and powdery. Jesus, you got to take these drugs from me. Search me right now. Search my heart. Father, I felt so much fatherly love from from heaven, and it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you. It was just love, love. And instantly, that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day, I threw away all my drugs and, uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn and I'm gonna raise my kid because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me. My heart was changed like that and I was like, Jenea, daddy's gonna be home with you all the time. I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me, you know, she felt so special and uh, God used her to save me, to save her life later on. My dream came true way more than I dreamt about. I, got, I made more money, I played bigger shows, I mean, houses, cars, I tried drugs, I tried sex, I tried everything to try to get pleasure out of this life. And I thought that I could fulfill my life with all this stuff by, by having my dream come true and it came true, but it didn't fulfill it. When Christ came in, That feeling, he gives you the gift of understanding life, which is everything was created for Christ and by him and we're created to be with him. And it's the most incredible feeling because you're where you belong and contentment is given to you in life because you don't have to look anywhere else and you're exactly where you need to be, and the question about life is answered. I am Brian Head Welch, and I am second.
0: When Brian left corn and started going to church and seeking out Jesus, he did so because he knew that the life that Jesus offered was the one that he wanted. Jesus says in John ten ten, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the thief that Jesus is talking about is Satan. It is Satan's job to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came so that we could have life and life to the fullest. But in order for that to happen, we have to give our full life to him. Because when you follow Jesus and you obey and live according to what is taught in scripture, you will have life to the fullest. Jesus promises peace and Jesus promises hope and Jesus promises purpose and Jesus promises rest for the weary and burdened. He promises better marriages and better relationships and this is what Jesus wants for his people. This is his desire for your life. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to give up the things that get in the way. For Brian, that was fame. It was drugs, it was his identity, and in a lot of ways, it was his life. In Matthew 10, it says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. When Scripture says this, it isn't saying that you literally have to die, but we have to spiritually die. We have to lose our old selves. This is what we do when we are baptized. Baptism is the death of our old self, the death of our old ways. We are buried in that water, and we're brought up a new life and a new creation, So Brian found his life, the life that he wanted, but in order to attain that, he had to walk away from something that he loved. And in doing so, he found Jesus. In doing so, he became a better father. And in his books and in recent interviews, he will tell you that he has more peace and purpose than he ever did in the years leading up to his departure from corn. Life to the fullest, real life, is worth losing the life that you currently have. It's worth everything. It's worth you not being the Lord over your own life. It's worth you going home, selling everything you have so you can buy that field. It's worth getting rid of everything so you can get that pearl. So what are you willing to give up in order to have that life? Of everything that Brian says in that video, the thing that hits me the hardest is this when he says, my dream came true way more than I dreamt about. I made more money, I played bigger shows, houses, cars, I tried drugs, I tried sex, I tried everything to get pleasure out of this life. I thought that I could fulfill my life with all this stuff, but having my dream come true, and my dream did come true, didn't fulfill it. And when Christ came in, that feeling he gives you, that gift of understanding life, that everything is created for Christ and by Christ, and we are created to be with him, it's the most incredible feeling because that is where you belong. And so for Brian, it was worth getting rid of his dreams. It was worth losing his rock star status. It was worth stepping away from the drugs and the women and the cars and the houses because he experienced the life that Jesus offers and he wanted all of that. And for him, it was worth everything that he had. And so you want to have the best marriage possible, but are you willing to walk away from your addiction to porn? Are you willing to give up your ego? Are you willing to break down the walls that you've put up to protect yourself from past pain? You wanna have the best family possible, but are you willing to give up your desire for the bigger house and leave work on time so you can be home to have dinner with your kids? Are you willing to put down your phone or your video games or turn off Netflix so you can give your spouse and your kids the attention that they need? You wanna have real and authentic friendships, but are you willing to stop gossiping and talking poorly about other people as soon as they leave the room because you are too insecure to face your issues? Are you willing to set down your pride and seek out forgiveness from the people that you've hurt? You want to have peace in your finances, but are you willing to trust God first and yourself second? You want to have purpose in your career, but are you willing to look at your job as an opportunity to show people what grace and truth looks like and not just a place to make money? What are you willing to give up in order to have that life? Are you willing to sell it all? Are you willing to walk away from everything? Are you willing to lose your life so you can experience life to the fullest, a full life in your marriage, in your job, in your relationship, in your finances? Here's the thing. There's another spiritual lesson that Jesus was trying to teach in this parable. He wasn't just trying to teach the people on the shore that a relationship with Jesus was worth everything. He was also trying to teach those people, even the ones who hated him and who eventually would want him dead, he was trying to teach those people that they were worth it all. In this story and in this parable, to Jesus, we are the treasure. To Jesus, we are the pearl. Jesus left everything he had behind so that we could have the opportunity to spend eternity with God. And so when Jesus tells this parable, it's telling us how to live, but he's also saying to those people, You are worth everything. And so Jesus asks for it all. He wants our minds, our hearts, our bodies, and our souls. He wants every part of it. He wants our marriages, our friendships. He wants our careers, our finances, everything. But there's nothing that Jesus asks for that he doesn't already give because he gave it all for us. In John 15:13, it says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater love than the love that Jesus showed us when he gave up everything so that we could spend eternity with him. So you have to figure out, are you willing to give up your ego? Are you willing to give up your sin? Are you willing to give up your life so you can have life that God intended for you to have? Because it's worth it. Because it's worth everything. There's a legend that in the Middle Ages, soldiers who had decided to follow Jesus, when they were baptized, they would actually stick their right hand out of the water when they were immersed. And they did this because that was the hand they held their sword with. And they were communicating very intentionally, Jesus, you can have all of me, but I'm going to kill regardless of what you say. They're saying, you can have all of me except for this one part of my life. And so what are you holding out of the water? What aren't you willing to part with so you can buy that field? And the reality is for some of you, it's your whole self. And Jesus says, I want all of you. You are worth it. He wants your pain and your brokenness and your sin. He wants it all. And for some of you, it's time to give it all up so you can buy that field. It's time to lose your life so you can gain it because a life with Jesus is worth it all. A life with grace is worth it all. But you have to give your life to the one who gave his life for you, but you have to make that choice in a few more weeks we're setting up the trough and we're going to do baptisms right here that people have decided to put to death their old selves and be raised new because they realize that following Jesus is worth it all. And so for you if you're in that place take that step. Check the box in your connection guard, come talk to me. Stop holding yourself back because it's worth it. If you are a follower of Jesus, the same question applies. What are you holding out of the water? More importantly, what did you hold out of the water when you decided to follow Jesus? Is it your sex life? Jesus, I love you, but I'm gonna do whatever feels good. Thank you very much. Is it your social life? Jesus, I'm thankful that I never have to be alone, but when I'm with those friends, I don't want you. Is it your job or school or your family? What are you holding back? Because Jesus wants it all, and it's worth it all. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Let's pray. God, thank you that we've had the opportunity to read through your stories and read through your parables. And God, see who you are. God, I pray for all of us as we look at our life and as we look at the things that we desire God, that this week we can kind of shuffle through everything and figure out what gets in the way of us fully having the life that you want for us. God, is it ego? Is it money? Is it a chip on our shoulder that someone else has put there? And God, I pray this week as we wrestle with this we try to figure out, God, that we ultimately know that the field is worth everything that we have, that a life with you, that grace, that forgiveness, that peace, that eternity in heaven is worth it all. And so God, help us figure out the things that we need to release this week, the things that we need to get rid of, the things that we need to throw away. And God, ultimately, thank you so much that we have this story that shows us that you think that we are worth it all. God, that you gave up everything. You gave up your own child so that we could have the opportunity to experience grace and so that we could have the opportunity to spend eternity with you. God, we don't always feel like we're worth that. But we know you paid that price, and we know you'd pay it again if you had to. God, we love you and pray these things your name. Amen.